Okay, so we're going to pick it up from Daphne Nun Aleph from Midbez, the bottom line. So the Mishnah said like this, there's an obligation for a husband to uh, ransom his wife. And in the Lashon of the Ksuba, if it's a Yisrael, he says, I'm going to ransom you and we'll be back together, husband and wife. If it's an Eishas Kayin, he has to ransom. And they're not going to be together because we assume that she is violated and Eishas Kayin is violated, even though it's rape, is the marriage is, uh, they have to get divorced. So said Gemara like this, Amar Abayah, Amanul Kayin Gadol. Let's say you have a widow who married a Kayin Gadol. So Halacha is, Amanul Kayin Gadol, though it's a Lois essay, she still gets a Ksuba. So, you still have to ransom her. Why? Go the next page. Meaning, ah, you're not allowed to be together. Yeah, but it, the Lushen of the Ksuba, he says about his wife who's a Kai, and then I'm going to ransom you, and then we're going to get divorced. So, I'm on to Kai and Gadol. They also can ransom and get divorced. Meaning, it's not like in the Lushen, you see, by a regular HSC Israel, it says, I'm going to ransom you, and we're going to be together. So, you can't be together, then I'm on to Kai and Gadol. But by a Kayan, by the wife of a Kayan, the Lashon of the Ksuba is that he's agreeing to ransom her and then get divorced. So I'm on the Kayan Gadol, ransom and get divorced. It's the same, it's the same halacha. But, says the Gemara, Mamzeris in the Sin Yisrael. But a Mamzeris in the Sin Yisrael, which is a Loisaseh. You don't have to redeem her. Why? Because this is not a Kayan. So this is a non-Kayan. The stipulation by a non-Kayan is that I'm going to ransom you and we'll be together. You can't be with a Mamzeris and a Sina. So, because you can't fulfill the second part, right? The first part is I'm going to ransom you. The second part is we're going to be together. You can't be together. So because you can't be together, there's no chiv to ransom. Rabbi Omer, so there's a chiv by Amon al-Kayin Gadol, but not a Mamzeris and Nesina. Rabbi says, regarding a regular Kayin, he has to ransom his wife and then get divorced because the, the Iser was created by her being attacked, by her being by her being captured, then then you have to redeem her. But if the relationship has a losase that's not related to the capture, meaning Rava believes that a Kayin Gadol does not have to ransom his wife, who's an Almana, because I, you could fulfill the Lush and the Ksuba, which is I'm going to ransom you and then we'll get divorced. But over there, the getting divorced is not because of the capture. You see, by a regular Kayin, you, 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 they, they could be together, but then once she's captured, then it's Osir. So then, because the capture created the Isser, then you have to ransom her and then divorce her. But on Manal Kayin Gadol, where the Isser is created independent of the ransom and the capture, it's Daman Isser, you don't have to redeem. So there's a Machlekes, Abai and Rava. So a Mamzeris and Nisin Lisa, everyone agrees, you do not have to ransom. The Machlekes is Abai and Rava, whether in Amon of the Kohen Gadol. Abai says you have to, Rava says you don't have to. So it says the Gemara Lima Ketanoi, I think this Machlekes Abai and Rava, whether in Aishas, Amon of the Kohen Gadol has to be ransomed, um, whether the husband, the Kohen Gadol has to ransom, or I think it's a Machlekes Tanoi. What is the Machlekes? Hamadris, Ishtoi, if a man it's married to a woman, everything's fine. And then he makes a vow that he's not going to, that she's not allowed to benefit from him. So in other words, he made her usher to him, so they have to get divorced. But before then, Nishmas, she's captured. So do, does he have to, does he have to ransom her? We'll describe, is this the wife of Akai and the wife of Yisrael? You have a woman who he made a nether, and then she's taken captive. Ravalazar says you ransom her and you have to give her a ksuba. You have to ransom her and then get divorced. Rav Yeshua says, no, you give her the ksuba, but you don't have to ransom her. So there's Machlekes, Rav Lazar, and Rav Yeshua, whether you have to ransom her if you made a nether about her. Now, before we address 
how our machlekes is related to that, the Gemara just clarifies. Am Rav Nasan Shalti Asumchus. Rav Nasan said, "I asked Sumchus." Kesham Rav Yishua Nois Lachsuvasa in a poide. Rav Yishua says that you do not have to redeem the woman who you made a nether for, who was taken captive. The question is, which one took place first? Is it Kesheidir Lusayf Nishbis? Is it only talking about a case which is the classical case, which is you made a nether and then she was taken captive? But what would the halacha be if she was taken captive and then you made a nether after she was taken captive? Do we say that you made a nether so you don't have to you don't have to redeem her? Or do we say no? In such a case, even if you did it because you're upset with her, it looks like you're just trying to get out of you know redeeming her. So we don't accept it. So when did Rabbi Yeshua say his halacha? Amalishamati says, I never heard of it. But says Sumchus, I never heard a, 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 clear, a clear answer, but to me it makes sense that you only don't have to redeem her if you made a nether and then she was taken captive. But if she was taken captive and then after she's in captivity you make a nether, then it just looks like you're trying to get out of your obligation to redeem her. In such a case, I think you would have to. So we have a machlegas or Velazan of Yeshua, whether you have to uh, redeem your wife, who's taken captive after you when you had a nether against her. So the Gemara says, what's the case? My We assume it's not talking about an Aishas Yisrael. Why? Again, the Lashon of the Aishas Yisrael is, I'm going to redeem her, and then we'll be together. Now, you can't be together when when you made a nether. So the Gemara assumes that if, it's, if this case is talking about a regular Yisrael, you definitely don't have to redeem her because you can't fulfill the second part. Meaning, the same way a Mamzeris and a Sina, everyone agrees you don't have to redeem. The Gemara assumes the same thing for an Ashes Yisrael, that you made a nether. Why should you have to redeem? The whole point is, it says you redeem her and then you'll be together. You're not going to be together because you made a nether about her. So what's the Machlaikis? It must be the following case. It must be Madre Ashes Kayan. It must be where you made a nether about the wife of a Kayan. Now, the, so what's the Shiloh? Every Kayan who has to redeem his wife, they're going to get divorced anyway. But normally, it's only the only issue is that she might have been raped. Over here, it's rape, and the fact that 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 there's a second issue is that you made another. So it's very similar to Amunalakain Godal, and that is the issue predates the 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 taking captivity. Do we say that because there's another issue, you don't have to redeem her? Or do we say no? The whole purpose of redeemer is to get divorced anyway. So redeemer, get divorced. That machlekes and rav of whether you have to redeem and Amunalakain Godal is very similar to this machlekes of a kain a kain. Who has who made a nether at his wife? Do you have to redeem? It's a machlekes of Elazar of Yeshua, and it's the same machlekes. Abai Adamik Rav Elazar, Rav Adamik Rav Yeshua. The Gemara says, "Like no." The Gemara says, no. Again, we thought the case was that it's the wife of a Kayan, that he made a nether that he's not going to benefit from. So it's very similar to Amon Alakayin Gadol. The Gemara says, no, the case is not a regular case. The case is really, um, it could be even a Yisrael. And the case is where she made the nether, right? We thought the case is that he made a nether. No, case is no. She made the nether, but he, when a, when a wife makes a nether, he has a choice. He can annul the vow or he could accept the vow and make it, uh, you know, mekayim it. Once he says, I agree to that nether, then he can no longer annul it. So perhaps the case is like this. She made the nether. They're not going to benefit from each other. And he... Uh, Strengthen the nether, meaning he didn't annul it. He said, "Okay, it's a good nether." So here's the shiloh: 
What's the machlaikis? The machlaikis, Rav Lazar of Yeshua, is whether he has to redeem or what's the shaila? L'chayre, he shouldn't have to redeem her because the whole point of a non kayan is that you redeem in order to be together. You're not going to be able to be together anyway. The case is over here, because she made the nether, but he strengthened it, do we say that because he's at fault, he has to redeem her? It's like a punishment. Or do we say, no, at the end of the day, she made the nether. He just uh, he just strengthened it, but he made, she made the nether. Because she made the nether, so why does, she, why does he have to redeem her? So that's the machlaikis. She made the nether, but Kaima who? But he confirmed it. Ravalazar Savar, who knows and that's Bishinah. Ravalazar holds the husband, put the, put put her fingers in between the teeth to be bitten. It's like she husband took her finger and put it like in the mouth of an animal and she got bit. So whose fault is the husband's fault? Because he was so he was Makai the nether. So because he was Makai the nether, we punish him that he has to redeem her, even though they're not going to be able to be together afterwards. Rav Yeshua Savar, he now says Yeshua says, No, she caused the problem by making the original nether. So that's the machlagis. It has nothing to do with the machlagis of Ayavarab. So the case is where she made the nether and he was Mekayimit. The problem is, there's a couple issues with this. If that's the case, then what did Rabbi Yeshua say? Rabbi Yeshua said, you don't have to, you don't have to redeem her. I'm sorry, Rabbi Yeshua said, Rabbi Lazar said, you redeem her and you give her the ksuba. Now, if the case is where she made a nether, that they're not going to be together, you don't have to give her a ksuba. She canceled the marriage. What do you have to give her ksuba for? So if it's taka case where she made the nether, why are you giving her ksuba? That's problem number one. Vesu, another problem. Remember what was the second part? The second part was that Rabbi Shua holds you don't have to redeem her. And the question, the asumch is, is it, what was the case that Rabbi Shua holds you don't have to redeem her? Is it dafka where she made he, the nether came first and then she was taken captive, or was it even a case of taken captive and then he made a nether? And Sumcha said, No, in such a case, it's a problem because it looks the optics doesn't look good because it looks like she was taken captive, and then instead of redeeming her, he's like, I'm just gonna make a nether. It's clear from that back and forth that he's the one making a nether, right? That's why there's a shayla. Uh, is it a bad optic where she was taken captive, then he made a nether because it looks like he's trying to get out of taking, you know, uh, uh, redeeming her. But if it's talking about a case where she made the nether, what well, well, what are you concerned about? What's the optics, right? Sumcha says, if, if, if she was taken captive first and then the nether was made, it doesn't look good because it looks like he's just trying to get taking out of, uh, he's trying to get out of redeeming her. If the case is where she made the nether, what are you talking about? The entire context of the conversation doesn't work if she made the nether. The whole context is where he makes the nether. And the question is, is it a bad optic to make the nether after she was taken captive? But if the case is she made the nether, what are you worried about? Well, what's the what's the problem? What's the optics? She's the one making the nether, not him. I'm gonna be look bad for the husband. She's the one making the nether. So the Gemara says, did not read. If she made the nether, Mali Well, what does it matter what took place first? So the Gemara says, The case is where she made the nether. Well, I'm sorry, where he made the nether. So we wanted to say that the Machlek is a and Rava. Uh, whether a almana to kain gadol is redeemed is the same achleikas of over here, where we seemingly are talking about a case where the wife of a kain, the husband, made a nether. So the Gemara says, no, Abayat mitarit the and Rava mitarit Both Abay and Rava can interpret the case where it's not uh, where they're according to everybody. Abayat mitarit the Let's go with Abayat again. Abayat held that almana to kain gadol is obligated to redeem. So how does he work with the Machloikas or Bolas and Rishua? So he says like this, Abayah says like this, you have to redeem. Amzeres and Messina Yisrael, you don't have to redeem. 
So what's the machlekes about at Rav Lozer Nebeshua? If the case where the case of a nether is not talking about the wife of a kain, because the wife of a kain having a nether is the same as Laman al Gadol, which Abaya holds, you have to redeem. What's the machlekes? Kipligi mother ishes Yisrael. The machlekes is where it's a wife of a Yisrael that made a nether, the husband made a nether, and his wife is a, and he's not a kain. So what was we thought originally in such a case where again you have a Yisrael who makes a nether not to benefit from his wife that he wouldn't have to redeem why because the whole purpose of redeeming by Yisrael's is our redeem will be together as a husband and wife you can't be together as a husband and wife says so Abayah no that's guva the machlekes the machlekes is not related to Abayah Shita Abayah was talking about Manol this is unrelated the machlekes is when he made he, he, you see a when they got married their marriage was never supposed to take place. So you don't have to redeem because the whole purpose of redeeming is to be a husband and wife. You were never supposed to be a husband and wife. Over here, they had five good years. Then he made another, and, and then she was taken captive. Right? Hold on a second. Ah, stop the recording. Hold okay. on one second. I got a phone call on WhatsApp. I can't do anything about it. Anyway, let's go visor. So the case is where she, I'm sorry, I threw So, well, over here, they had five good years, and then he made another. The machlaikis of Allah's and of Yeshua is, does he have to redeem her? Aye, they're not going to be able to be together. But it could be when they signed the Ksuba, and he agreed to ransom her in order to be together. At that time, he could be together. So that time, it was Kiveh that he's obligated. The fact that later on something happened, that's not the, that doesn't take away the obligation. Rabbi Yeshua says no. Rabbi Yeshua says we look at it at the time where she's taken captive, can they be together? The answer is no. I mean, the question is, do you go by the time where the ksuba is written or the time where they're taken captive? That's the machlegas. Ravalazar also basameikara. Ravalazar holds you go by the time the ksuba was written, and at that time they could be together because there was no, there was no, there was no uh, neder at that time. So therefore, he has to redeem her. Rabbi Shua says no. You go by the time where she was taken captive, and at that point, at that point, at some point along the marriage, they weren't able to be together. So that's the machlegas. Ravalazar and Rabbi Shua. Rava Mitaris and Rava answers in his own way that again Rava holds Amanul Kaingadu, you don't have to redeem. And he says, Amanul Kaingadu, Mamzaris and Nisin Lisha Kalamis. Amanu to a Kaingadu. And Mamzaris and Nisin Lisha, you don't have to redeem. He pligi bin Madir. He but so what's the Machlegas? The Machlegas is by a nether. Bainish's kayim, Bainish is row. Ravalazar is a bay in Kara, Ravishua Basil Vasif. The Machlegas between Ravalaz and Ravishua. Is like this. You don't have to redeem according to Rava because again, they were never there was never a point in the marriage where it could work. But over here, the marriage was fine. I mean, that's the fundamental answer. And that Abai and Rava's discussion of Amanulakain Gadol is not related to the Shaila of Revelaz and Rabbi because over there they're talking about a case of a nether. So there was a period of time when the Ksuba was written where the marriage was fine. Subsequently, something happened and that the nether was made, and now the marriage is, is a problem. The machloikis of Rosem Yeshua is do you go by the beginning of the marriage or the end of the marriage? But Amanul Kangadal, which is flawed from the beginning, that Abai and Rav's Shailah is unrelated to Rav Yeshua and Rav Lazar. Tan Rabban. Nishbis Let's say a woman is taken captive while her husband's alive. Then the husband dies. The question is do the orphans have to take money from the estate in order to ransom her? If her husband became aware of her capture before he died, once he becomes aware, that's when the obligation kicks in. So, then if he dies, the heirs are obligated to ransom her. 
but if the husbands did not become aware, so if he became aware, then they're obligated, then and then he dies, then they're obligated. If, if he did not become aware before he died, then they're not obligated. So Levi Levi had a scenario where the husband died, he became aware, and then he died. So Levi wanted to go into the orphan's money from the estate and take out some of the money in order to redeem her. Amrli Rav, Rav said to him, My uncle Ravchia said, so we don't pass in this way. Rather, we pass in, you never have to redeem from the orphans. The orphans never have to redeem the wife. Ravchia held that the orphans never have to redeem. Why? Because the Lashon is, I'm going to redeem, we'll be together. Over here, he's dead. So the implication of the Lashon is that once he dies, there is no longer an obligation. Tan Rabbanon. Nishbis, if a woman was taken captive, and the abductors want even 10 times her value, the Tanakhama says that you have to redeem her, even though it's 10 times more valuable than she is in the market, but only once. So it's two things. First of all, you only have to redeem her once. That's the point. Number two, you have to even spend more than her value. Now, in general, we don't, there is a rule that we do not ransom a person more than their value, but the Tanakama feels that this, that does not apply to one's wife. The reason is because he feels that the issue with spending more money on a ransom is not that we're afraid that they'll just capture, kidnap more people, which is Rabbi Shimon Leal's point in a moment. He's concerned that the issue, the reason why we don't want people to have to spend more money on a ransom is because we don't want, uh, it's too much of a taxing on the tzibar, but one's wife where you'll make sure you pay for it there's no problem. So the Tanakama feels that there's an obligation to, to redeem once, once only, and that one time, even if it's more than her value. Rashim Gamliel says, go to the next page, Rashim Gamliel says, the issue, we don't ransom a person more than their value because uh, we're afraid that if you do that once, then they're going to start kidnapping people left and right, and therefore that's a problem, even that's a problem, even um, even uh, um, even with one's wife, and we don't we don't ransom them if they're more values. The Gemara says That means you do ransom her up to her value. Meaning, let's say her value in the marketplace is five hundred dollars. You ransom her up to five hundred dollars according to Shimon Lila, not more. Here's the problem: it implies you ransom her up to five hundred dollars, even if that's more than the ksuba. The shaila is even if the ransom is more valuable than her ksuba, as long as it's her value in the market, it seems to be that you're obligated. Or I have a contradiction. If a woman was taken captive and they want 10 times her value of her ksuba, the Tanakhama feels you have to redeem her. The first time after that is optional. You don't have to ransom her more valuable than her ksuba. If the ksuba is worth $500, then up to $500, not more than that. So here's the shayla. Rishon Gamliel one time said that you don't have to ransom her more than her market value. The implication is her market value you have to, even if it's more than the ksuba. But he also said you don't have to ransom more than the ksuba. So what is it? The answer is both. Rishon Gamliel feels you do not have to ransom her more than her ksuba and more than her market value. If, if it's her market value or less, and it's less than her ksuba, then you have to. So both statements are correct. Okay, a little bit weiter. It's a long time today. If a woman was ill, you have to heal her. Now, 
this next part of the Gemara is important, and that is, the question is, what is the nature of this obligation of healing the wife? Now, if is it an obligation similar to feeding her, in which case it's an ongoing obligation, or is it similar to um, redeeming her, which would be more of a lump sum? And the Gemara explains why this is in the game. We know that a widow is given food, money for food, money for living from the father's estate, from the husband's estate, after he passes away. And if she needs healing, then it's like sustenance, meaning it's like food, and they have to give it. There's no, there's no max amount. They have to just keep going. See, he says like this, it depends. If it's a one lump sum or there's an end to it, meaning it's not like an illness that's continuous. You're having one surgery, then then you could pay for it from the value of the ksuba. Let's say the ksuba is worth $1,000. She And she has medical problems. So if it's a one-time issue or it's a medical problem that has an end to it, it's $500, then you could take $500 from the ksuba. But if it's a continual problem, meaning she has a chronic issue, then we look at the medical not like redemption, which take is taken from the ksuba, but rather we look at the medical as like mezainus. And mezainus, there's no amount, right? They have to supply her with food until she remarries. And we don't just say, well, once the ksuba's up, then they have to stop, because it's not taken from the ksuba, it's taken from mezainus. So the, the medicine also, if it's a chronic issue, then it's from mezainus and there's no end. If it's not a chronic issue, then um, if it's not a chronic issue, then the halacha is, meaning if it's a one one or two time thing, whatever, but at some point it's going to stop, then the halacha is it's taken from the ksuba. Bloodletting in Eretz Yisrael is like a healing that has no end, meaning that's it's a chronic thing that people do bloodletting all the time. So that's like a yearly uh, yearly checkup where it's it's taken from the mezainus and, and, and there's no limits to the amount. So you'd rather, when it comes to paying for the orphans' medical bills, you want it to be to have an end to it. Because if it has no end, then it's like Mazinus, where you have to pay forever. If it has an end, then you could take the money from the ksuba. So you're, you're, you know, the amount of money that's allocated for the ksuba is going towards that. So it's it's eating away at the amount that you owe her. So from the orphans' perspective, they would rather it be not be chronic. They want it to to be lump sum or, or to end. So the Gemara says, Relatives of Yechanan had a widow. So the relatives of Yechon were, were, were paying for this widow. And she needed healing every single day. So she had this chronic issue. So they were paying forever. So Rav Yechonon gave them advice. Find a doctor who's willing to give one lump sum for the chronic issue. So instead of going in every day and paying a certain amount every day, go to the doctor and say, listen, we're going to come for the next five years. Give us an amount. Even if it's a large amount, give us an amount. Once you do that, then it becomes... Kitzba becomes a, a finite amount, and then it can be taken from the ksuba. So Rav was giving them advice to avoid, you know, long-term payments. After they did this, Rav felt bad. He said, "Asino atzmenu I became like a lawyer, meaning there's a prohibition that we, we don't generally like to advise uh, one litigant who's a friend over the other. Side. So Rav felt bad that he was treating his family like he had a chap to avoid long-term payment, and he advised his relatives. He felt that that wasn't appropriate. Yeah, because he was basically advising them how to avoid paying for this widow. So he felt a little bad about it. So the Gemara says, 
why did Rabbi Yechonon do it at first and then feel bad? What was the back and forth? So, first he felt, there's a passage that says, you have to take care of your relatives. He felt that he should he should get involved to help them. But he realized afterwards that because he's an Adam Chashiv, it's not becoming for him to do this. Although it's technically mutter, he, he should not be doing such a thing. Okay. Next Mishnah. Mishnah says like this. The Mishnah says, Loi Kasavla. We're, we're continuing in stipulations that were normally in the Ksuva and how even if they're omitted, you're still obligated because they're Tanai Bezdin. That, that Bezdin sort of makes the stipulation for you. So like Kasavla, the groom, did not write for the Kala in the Ksuva, Benindichrin Yahavlichum Menaichi, Inan Yitim Ksaf Ksivusayach. Yes, This is a lashon called ksuz benindichrin, which is that again, if a, a woman marries a man, that means that the dowry and the ksuba go to the go to her. If the husband dies, then it goes to his heirs, which which are her kids. Now, what if he has many many other sons from other marriages, so that it'll be split up? So her dowry will go to her husband, right, to his kids, and his kids are stepchildren, and and if she's got 10 stepchildren and one son, then she sort of loses the entire dowry. And that would stop men from giving dowries to their daughters. So therefore, this is called ksuz benedichon, which is that the ksuba, the dowry, and all the monies allocated to this woman go to her sons only, and not to her stepsons. So even if he doesn't write that, chayiv, that that's fulfilled because t'nai bezin. Second part that's also stipulated, The second thing is, they used to write that any daughters that they have will live in the house after after he passes away, they'll live in the house and be supported from the estate of the Kulchan Leguvrin until they're married. So even if that's not written, that's high, you still have to, tonight, Bezin, still tonight, Bezin, you're obligated. Third stipulation, court imposed stipulation, that she it, it normally was written in the Ksuba that after he passes away and she's a widow, she could stay in the house and continue uh, getting supported from the estate. As long as you live there and until you're remarried, you're so even if it's not written, he's still obligated to support you tonight. Now you see from this point that she. She can't, you know, if she's a widow, she gets to stay there and she gets to be supported by the estate. There's no way for the estate to kick her out. Says the Gemara, Kacha you That was the Nusach of the Ksubis of Yushalayim. Anche Galil Hayu Kaisen, Kanche That was also the Lashon of the Ksubis of Anche Galil. Anche Yehuda Hayu Kaisen. However, in the city of Yehuda, they would actually have the following stipulation, and that is the Almana has a choice. She could either stay in the estate. Or the orphans can give her the ksuba money, all the money owed to her, and then she could leave. And then she she has to leave. So according to the Anshi Yehuda, it's not a matter of just, you know, you stay there forever. It's it's you don't get to stay there forever. It's up to the orphans. They could either support you long term or give you the ksuba money and say, get out. They can give the ksuba and say, get out. Okay. Why did the Chazal institute this Ksuvah Benedichon, which is that the Ksuvah goes to her sons and not any other sons that the man has? 
because we want people to give dowries to their daughters. And if they know that the dowry will eventually go to this guy's stepchildren, then they're not going to write it. Oh, so the question is like this. What's the source of a dowry? Because basically you're telling the husband to write a lot of his money to the daughter and not to keep it in the family. The Torah tells you that the son inherits and not the daughter. So where does this concept of a dowry come from? The answer is Hanami Daraisu. The concept of a dowry is also Daraisu. The Pasuk says, take wives for your sons and, and take take uh, take uh, husbands for your daughters. So the question is, I understand how you can marry off the sons because they would choose the daughters, choose the daughter-in-laws. But how do you marry off the daughters? That's up to the, that's not up to you. What could you do? What you could do is you can give a dowry and nice clothing and jewelry in order to attract the men. So that's the concept of a dowry from the Torah. How much should you give to a dowry? Until a tenth of your possession. So the Gemara says like this. So the concept of Ksubas is in order to incentivize um, uh, men to write dowries. Now, Ksubas Ben means that the entire Ksuba and all the values goes to her sons. The question is like this. I understand the dowry part of the Ksuba should go to the sons, understood. But why should the 200 Zuz also go to the sons? That's not the dowry. The whole purpose is the dowry. The Gemara says, But why should the 200 Zuz go? The answer is because the answer is if he refuses to support to give the two hundred zuz to to the to the sons of the wife, meaning it's all part of the mentality of the grandfather. The grandfather, think of the grandfather. He he's marrying off his daughter, and we want him to give a, a nice dowry. So we say that the ksuba should go to his grandchildren, his bloodline ga- grandchildren, and not to some other guy's stepchildren, because if it goes to his bloodline grandchildren. He'll give a dowry. So we say, oh, that explains the dowry. Why should he give the 200 zoos? The 200 zoos should go to the other kids. It should be split amongst all the sons, the stepsons. The answer is because if he looks at the father as not being willing to take care of his grandsons in the future and by not giving them the 200 zoos, he'll say, why should I give a dowry? It's all part of the same mentality to incentivize dowries. So the Gemara says, So why is it? So the Mishnah said, even if it's not written, you still have to do it. Why? If the whole point is to incentivize the dowry, so if the guy didn't write it in, then why should I care? The answer is like plug Rabbana, and in order to avoid problems, Chazal just made it a stipulation. So Bas Benabonim Nami Teres, here's a Shiloh. What if she doesn't have sons? She just has daughters from that marriage, and he has sons from other marriages. Then the halach is it goes to the other sons. Why? The same concept Sus been indifferent to incentivize dowries to keep it in the bloodline. It should apply even if they don't have sons, it just have daughters. So why does it go to the other stepchildren, stepsons, if there's only daughters? The answer is, Kenach l'shavir Chazal made it like inheritance. And when there's daughters among sons, just daughters, we don't have the daughters get it instead of the sons. So bas ben abonus teres. Okay, what if they're just daughters? Meaning, step, he didn't have any sons from the first marriage. He doesn't have sons from this marriage. He has daughters from this marriage and daughters from the other marriage. What's the halacha? It's split evenly. Because it's sus ben indichon. It only applies when there's sons. If there's daughters, it's split evenly. Why? Loi plug Rabbana, again, loi plug, they wanted to make it that when there's just daughters, Ksuba does not apply. Vitigmutaltali, okay, the halacha is Ksusman and Dichrin can only be collected from land. Why? It should be collected from um, movables as well. Ksuba Shavir Rabbana, the answer is that it's treated as a Ksuba, and the Ksuba is only collected from land, as we'll see in a few daf. Titra from the Okay, now, 
the halacha is the ksuvus benedichon can be collected from land, but it cannot, but there's no lien on the property. Meaning if the husband sold land, the sons cannot go into the land that was sold and 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 undo the sale in order to, to collect the ksuvus benedichon. So why? The answer is yartun tanan, because it's treated as inheritance, and we don't find that the son, to get his inheritance, goes to uh, things that the land that the husband, the father sold when he was alive, you know, all inheritance, you don't, you're not, there's no lien on any property. We don't just say, you know, when the guy dies and he had just sold land a month before he died, we don't say that the, 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 the heirs can go to the, the sale and undo it. We don't find such a thing. So this is also treated as inheritance. Here's the Shiloh. only applies if there's other monies of the inheritance that's going to be split up. But if, let's say, all he has to his name is this ksuva, then the halach doesn't apply. It only applies if there's an added dollar. So let's say he leaves $5,000 of the ksuva money and $2. So the $2 is split evenly, and the ksuva goes to the, the, the sons of that marriage. Why? It should be regardless. The answer is, The answer is, ksuva was only instituted when there's still a biblical inheritance. You see, Chazal didn't want to undo a biblical concept. The biblical concept is that all sons inherit even. But Chazal wanted to incentivize the dowry, so they said, you know, let the ksuva just go to the sons. But that's only true when there's still a biblical form of the inheritance being fulfilled. So there's still money that's being fulfilled, but if there's no there's no inheritance, I mean, this is all the money they have. Chazal didn't want to undo their isa. In such a case, there's uh, there's going to be, uh, in such a case, then the ksuva does not apply. I will stop here picking up on something.